I've been taking the following thoughts around to all of our Christian Family Centre churches uh, over the past few months. And to answer the question, uh, what kind of church are we? In a nutshell, what kind of church are we? Good question. It's such an important one. I wrote a book on it called The Church We Can Be. And I haven't brought copies here to throw at you and to give it to you. But uh, some of you have bought them and read them, isn't that right? One person. <laughs> really encouraging for an author to, to see that. Um, but uh, my team has said, look, Bill, after 40 years of you leading uh, a church, um, we've heard your stories and the things you've learned, the, uh, the axioms or you know, the timeless truths, things you've learned, experienced, why don't you put them in writing? And so, um, so I've done that with the, uh, the me I can be about the gospel and overcoming, uh, the church we can be, and I'm just about to finish off the leader I can be, I hope, by our CRC October conference. So it just puts down uh, ideas and thoughts to help pastors, to help leaders, to help people. So. What kind of church are we? I, I, as I reflected on this, I answered, I fired that question at myself. I thought, well, how do I describe the Christian Family Centre? I thought, well, we actually, we're not trying to be anything different to what Jesus wants and what we read in the New Testament. It's like, there ain't no gimmick. Uh, we're a church for all people, it's our caption. Um, and so I came up with this statement. And I thought, you know who we are? We, we, we are trying to be a New Testament church. And basically, we are, are a biblically grounded, Christ-centred, Holy Spirit-led, people-loving, forward-moving, it's faith, and outwardly focused or radic, that term radic, is a missiological term that says your focus is outside of yourself to lost people, lost communities, lost nations. The opposite is centric, and um, where you're just focused on yourself and you've lost the understanding of the great commission that Jesus gave us. And so I've just, that's to me what, what kind of church we want uh, to be uh, what kind of church we are. We, we endeavour to be a biblically grounded, Christ-centred, spirit-led, people-loving, forward-moving, outwardly focused. My role as the senior minister of Christian Family Centre Churches, I just want to make sure our churches are flowing that way. So if a, if a lead pastor or an eldership team, uh, or not, a, a, a leadership team, stray from that, that's when I would intervene without any compunction. If somebody came up with the notion, oh, we don't believe the scriptures to be the word of God, that's a sackable offence, that'd be out. Simple as that. Our whole denomination has that position. We believe the Bible to be the inspired word of the living God, and it is the foundation for what we believe and what we practice. Um, and so we, you know, I had a situation once, I won't mention which church, it was in the state, CFC church and there was a, a, a guy that turned up from another church and he'd sit in the front row and when the women would get up to preach he'd be sitting there with his great big bible scowling at them 
Like, what are you doing up here? You know, like women preaching, they're inferior creatures. You know, they're just, and I'm thinking, so we had these beautiful girls that were preaching. One of them was a missionary in the Philippines, Vagena. She's done three years Bible college. She's a missionary in her 40s, serving God, would leave him for dead regarding commitment and zeal. And she said to me, Pastor Bill, she goes, I cannot preach anymore there. (laughs) And so the poor pastor, the, the lead pastor, was new in the role. Beautiful younger guy. And he just didn't have, the guy was twice his age, didn't have the courage to, to tap him on the shoulder and move him on. So I had to fly to Alice Springs, and I've named it. <laughs> Took him out for a meal, spent a hundred bucks, which I resented, being Greek, you know, a meal, he and his wife. And, and he just raved for about two hours about all his theories about scripture. And they were wacky do stuff. You know, in his view of women, I just said, well, I didn't want to get into the argument. Man, I said, the CRC has been ordaining women since the 1940s and 50s. In fact, we love women. <laughs> we like them. <laughs> we love them. And there's no restriction. Preachers, elders, church planters. I said, we want more of them. And he goes, well, I guess there's not place for me in the Christian family centre here. And I said, precisely. I said, I'll help you find a, a negative uh, fundamentalist thinking church because you know fundamentalist is you don't believe in fun you're a little bit mental <laughs> no seriously we just tapped him on the shot and there was no hard feelings no, no, the reason for that is we believe what the scriptures teach about women the first preacher of the gospel was a woman Mary Magdalene he's risen there were, there were women apostles and prophets throughout the New Testament and uh, you know there's some scriptures that are taken out of context in Timothy and and Corinthians about order in the church and there were some unruly girls, they were just mainly Greeks, Greek women are very difficult and Paul had to write to them, I know there's a Greek lady here, Paul had to write to them and say, come on. And so people take that out of context and say, therefore God's anti-women, give me a break. He chose a 15-year-old girl to become an ovum. Think about that in her womb no male seed Holy Spirit her seed he chose a little girl he so believes in women that he entrusted himself his son to be born of a woman so I just say that as an example we are Bible based people all of our beliefs and all of our practices are rooted in scripture we're grounded in scripture we're never going to deviate from that and you know we're Christ centred because the whole Old Testament points to Jesus. It really does. The whole Old Testament points to Jesus and the whole New Testament talks about him and tries to explain what he did through his life, death on a cross, resurrection, went to heaven and now his ministry as our mediator, high priest, advocate, intercessor, like he's praying for you right now. He's praying for his church here at the hills. Jesus never sleeps. He never sleeps, he doesn't need to sleep. He's praying for you, he thinks of you. He takes out imperfect prayers, you know, like sometimes our squeaky prayers are faithless and it's like prayers like, help, help me, Jesus. Well, he is the author and the perfecter of our faith. Even your squeaky little prayers that don't have a lot of faith, just cry for help. He grabs it, the author, and he perfects it and says, Father, they're, 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 
That's my brother, that's my sister. And he brings it to the fight. It's a perfect prayer. We have a perfect Jesus who's our intercessor, our high priest. There's grace and mercy. The whole New Testament focuses on him. So the kind of church we want to be is centered on the person of Jesus Christ. If I'm in a church service and I don't hear the name of Jesus mentioned, or if I hear a sermon and Jesus is not mentioned, I go nuts. We've got two of our young trainee pastors preaching this morning and tonight. I got them in yesterday and I want to see your manuscript. They gave it to me, they come with fear and trepidation. I read the manuscript. You know the first thing I said, guys, there's not enough of Jesus there. Oh, I said, where's the gospel? Preach Jesus. There are people that need to get saved. Lift up the cross, make a beeline for the cross, lift him up. It was all inherent, but they're speaking to the already convinced. And I said, what about the person who doesn't know Christ? And I want and nobody leaving our services who in just five minutes, you share the gospel, lift him up. And if you lift him up, the Holy Spirit will support you. You don't lift him up, you're on your own, no anointing. It's true. If we lift him up and, and talk about him and who he is, the wonder that is the eternal son of God, the saviour of humanity, our, our Lord, our healer. He's your healer. He can heal you right now, right where you see it. You don't even have to come out the front and have hands laid on you. Just open your heart. He's here through the Holy Spirit. We believe he's praying for your healing now. He sent the Holy Spirit to give you a gift. You want it? Just, just say, Lord, I need to be healed. While Bill is preaching, why not? You need an answer to, to prayer. He's not a million miles away. He's right near with us. We lift him up. So the Christian Family Centre churches are not about the preachers preaching about themselves and pop psychology and the latest gimmick. We want to get to Jesus quick. And I know that Pastor David Smythe and Pastor David Bland, they are Christ-centred preachers and they lift him up. And that's where we're going to be. The next lead pastor will be as fabulous as them as preaching. Seriously. And we are spirit-led, which means we're Pentecostal. I spoke in tongues this morning, in the bathroom, in the shower. I didn't have a long time for a prayer time this morning. I've done all my preparation, but I just, I need, I need the oil of the spirit pulsating through me. You drive your car and you don't put oil in there, what's gonna happen? Looks fantastic. And after a period of time, it's gonna seize up. You will seize up as a Christian if you don't allow the Holy Spirit access into your life to lubricate every dimension of your life because our hearts stray. You know, we left our own thoughts. We, we develop dark thoughts and we need the Holy Spirit to tame the wild beast within us as uh, Johnny Cash would sing, you know, the beast within. You ever heard that song? Oh, download it. The beast within, Johnny Cash. Best statement on the doctrine of sin you'll ever find with the great man himself singing it, the beast in me, you know, and like, and I'm thinking, man, Johnny, that is just fantastic theology. It'll just make you realize, oh, Jesus, I need your spirit to, to make sure that beast stays dead and buried. You need the Holy Spirit. That's why the gift of speaking in tongues is a means by which we say, Lord, I just want to activate your spirit, I need you, Lord. Whether I'm preaching, whether I'm leading, whether I'm, I'm going to work, just to live, to love my wife as I should, to care for my kids, I need power. I need radical power. Christianity is not about trying to trying to be better. You can try your hardest to be better. You're not going to be better. Your heart is miserable. It's steeped in sin. Who can know it except God? 
You need the Holy Spirit. You need a new spirit to tame that heart, to, to, to touch your mind, your will. Even Jesus himself could not go to the cross without the Holy Spirit. It says it in Hebrews. You can find that scripture, Hebrews 9. It that he, through the Holy Spirit, gave himself, yielded himself. Remember at Gethsemane, he said, I can't do it. I can't do it. Take this away from me, Lord. Then, he, then he, the, the, the most powerful prayer, the deepest kind of prayer, is the prayer where you yield when you don't want to yield. He said, but not my will, your will be done. And as he did that, the Holy Spirit rushes in and helped Jesus go to the cross. So if Jesus needed the Holy Spirit to die in our place to secure our salvation, how much more do you need the Holy Spirit? Well, I need the Holy Spirit. Your leadership team needs the Holy Spirit. Pray for Wayne and the team. Pray for me and our board of elders that the Holy Spirit will guide us in relation to the next lead pastor. I do not believe we've made a mistake in having Pastor David as the lead pastor. There's no mistake in God. He was right for these three years. And he's receiving the leading of God. And this happens quite a lot. You've had one founding lead pastor for 17, 18 years, whatever, and, and uh, I think I'm exaggerating a bit. And that, that does happen. So we believe the Holy Spirit leads us. And so we are spirit-led and, and the church, we need the Holy Spirit. He has been poured out upon us. So activate the gift of the Spirit. If you, if you don't speak in tongues and haven't received this experience, you're missing out on something. You'll still get to heaven. You're still saved. There's no question about that. You have the Holy Spirit within you if you're a born-again Christian. You can't be a Christian without the Holy Spirit. But you need the fullness of of the Spirit's activity within you and you can experience this. You ask for it and, and, and expect him to fill you and part of the evidence of that is the normal initiatory evidence and we're Bible believers. As CRC churches, I've had a pastor come to me and say, oh, well, you know, I'm, I want to be a CRC pastor but, you know, I actually don't believe that speaking in tongues is the normal initial evidence. I said, well, could you hand in your credential to me straight away? You're instantly sacked. You want to be a training minister? Don't you read that declaration of faith? The normal initiatory evidence is glossolalia. We don't compromise that. We're not third waivers. We're not evangelicals. We believe in the gift of speaking in tongues as being the great gift, evidence that you've received the empowerment of Acts chapter 2. It's available today. We don't have it as a requirement of membership in our churches, but every minister's got to sign on the dotted line. When I had another training minister, and he actually put up a a Facebook saying, well, I actually believe in gay marriage. I brought him in with our national administrator and we took his credential off him straight away and we had a resignation letter already written for him and I got him to sign it straight away. Unless he recanted and repented. We said, that's just not us. We, 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 we love homosexual people. We, we win them to Christ, but you, you, we don't believe in gay marriage. Even if the state acknowledges it, which it has, that's not for us. That's what we believe the scriptures. Simple as that. We uphold the message of Christ. We depend upon the Holy Spirit. So this is who we are, church. Christian family centre churches. Uh, we are people loving. Oh, man. I've been doing this stuff for 47 years now, since I was 17. And I've been leading one church for 40 years. Do you know, I still get excited about coming to church and to see the new people. And uh, so I'll come in early and I cruise 
She says, yeah, she says, yeah, 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 yeah. So you get your, your long-term Christians, they want to bail you up and talk about nothing. And I want to spot the, I want to spot the, the new ones. And, and, and then after I finish preaching, I'm at the door. I'll go to America, some of these preachers, they preach and they, their limousines waiting outside and they're off. Man, I'm at the door for the next half hour till my knees are hurting. Then I race to the community hall where they're having a meal. They're all eating and my wife runs it. They don't even have a meal prepared for me afterwards. So then I go and cruise the tables and say hello and bless people. And I say, is there a meal for me? No, it's all gone, Pastor. Great, great, great honouring, great respect for me. Isn't that right? Sometimes Kathy thinks and has a meal prepared, but I couldn't care two hoots. I would sooner spend that time with people and I have, I've found people that are on the verge of suicide at the door a couple of times now. I've had people that I know, have, there's something going wrong there. They're ready to have a nervous breakdown. I remember one lady, brand new, and she stuck this, she goes, oh, she stuck this thing in my pocket, a letter, a note. And I, I said, well, don't stick notes in my pocket or put money there. I'll never see, you'll never see it again. So a few days later, I'm putting up, What's this? I read this and I thought, wow, who is this? What is this? The way I read it, I thought, could this person be on the verge of taking their life? So I went to our staff, I said, we need to find her. I mean, what a task, find her. No name, no nothing. So we actually did, so I said, this is what she looks like, send a message to all the team and they really, and finally I said, we think there's this woman that's been coming she fits the bill. Anyway, they tracked it down and I rang her up. That was a f- I rang her up and said, hi. Say, Monica, hey Monica, it's uh, Pastor Bill Vasilakis here. And she just went absolutely silent. She goes, how'd you get my, my number? I said, with great difficulty. I said, I'd really like to catch up with you for a cup of coffee today if possible. Oh, 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 I'm working and, uh, and so at, at, you know, I said, Okay, I said, can I ask you a straight question? You put a note in my pocket. I said, are you contemplating ending your life? I just came out with it. I just said, I'm not going to muck around. I think that's what doctors say you should do, don't they? Kathy's a mental health specialist. So, and she goes, oh, she goes, no. But I'm really struggling. So anyway, cut a long story short. She came in the next day for a cup of coffee, had an hour with her. And I can't do the counselling. I'm, I'm here, there and everywhere. So I put her onto our counselling department. They let, had her four or five sessions, led her to Christ, got her, to her back to her psychiatrist because she's under, she was under medical supervision, but she stopped that. And she found Christ and is going on with Jesus. Hallelujah. But, so to me, if you love people, you're open to meeting their needs and to seeing where they're really at. And so we are a church for all people. Uh, we genuinely love people. This is our, this is our heart. If, if uh, anyone that's a leader, I looked at the, the leadership team and their, their spouses and what oozed out of them when I met them that day is love for you. They didn't ask me to say that. It was, their major concern is, oh, the people, how are they going to feel? And, you know, there's some bruised reeds over here. There's some, there's some situations. And, and I think and that is a great sign that your leadership team and their wives love you. And you know what? They love the lost. They love sinners out there. They love people who need Christ. And uh, we need to do that, um, to, to reach out to people, all kinds of people. 
And so the best days of the church are ahead of it. And, and to be thinking of how do we reach more people for, for the kingdom is very, very important uh, with different strategies. And I know that's something that's on the heart of, of the leadership team. Um, you've got to love people. And look, seriously, you've got to love even the funny ones. There are funny people in the church. There's some difficult people. There's some people that are really hard to love. You know what I mean? No one here, of course. Everyone's easy to love and like. Everyone likes each other and, and there's no... But some people... Oh, it's Seton. There's a couple of people that are really difficult to like. You've got to learn to like them. You can say, I've got to love them in Jesus. Like, I've got no... I've got it. I can't resent them. I've just got to love them. I mean, that's the command. But Jesus doesn't say you have to like them. That's my theology. That's not... You, you can question that, whether that's biblical or not. You, that's, that's hey, even the difficult people, with the love of Christ in you, you learn to like them. You realise they're made in the image of God. Jesus died for them. He loves them. And even if they're stuck emotionally and they're you know, kind of hurting people around about them, oh, man, you've got to love them. And you know, sometimes the, you, you have to move. If somebody's damaging other people, you've got to correct them and discipline them and... And uh, not a very pleasant task. You know, Pastor David was very good at that. We had him as our Minister of Excommunication at Seton there for a while. <laughs> and uh, he was very good because he was very strong, very prophetic, but very loving. You know, we had a situation where, you know, what do you do when you have somebody turn up at the youth meeting, a, a parent who's as drunk as a skunk? And there's altercations with your team, Sam. And it could end up a mighty brawl with the police. Where's David Ratz getting involved? I mean, it was serious. <laughs> and there had to be discipline. And so David and our youth pastor, Sam, did that. And they did it so beautifully. And, you know, we kept that person in, in the church. And they're going on with God. They had a little bit of a problem with too much vino at times. And that needs to come under control. But, you know, like, you don't, you're not there to hurt people. You're there to find out why do they behave badly. There's usually reasons. So if we're not there as a Gestapo agents to try and have moral reformation. We're saying we want them to come to Jesus and through the Holy Spirit, he will bring those aspects of their lives into control. And that's really important. Really important in, in all matters. So, so we are to love people and we're to be forward moving. Hey, this is faith. Uh, the Great Commission, do you know what the Great Commission says? The very first word? Go. Think about that word, go. There's no wiggle room from that word. Go. doesn't say go and stop. doesn't say go, turn back. Two-thirds of the name of God is go. G-O. Go. Like, Jesus gave us money, he said Go. Hey, Christian families at, at, at Hills, some of you want to stay. Sorry, we're going. We're going forward. Decisions are going to be made. The day's going to come. Hear me on this. It, it's, it's, you're going to have a property that's probably going to be worth two or three million dollars. And yes, you will be paying for it over time because we don't want the bank to, to be slugging us and we have strategies how we should raise money. 
And once you've got a facility, you're able then to bed down and do a whole pile of stuff you just can't do when you've got hiring facilities. You just can't do it. You come to a place, and we did that. We were 10 years wandering around, and all the people helping ministries, that just amazing what can take place. I'm not into buildings. God doesn't live in a building. He lives in our hearts. But buildings and facilities are are a vehicle for the corporate expression of your faith. Collectively, prayer, faith, giving. And that's going to happen. So uh, we're going. I can't say when. The leadership team have already. They've been reflecting, talking, and this is, this is a, a long-term project, but it's going to happen. So we are forward-moving in faith. Faith is, the Greek word for faith is there for those that are Greek scholars here, and uh, Dr. Damien is among us, and I better be careful what I say. The Greek word pistevo for faith that you, anglic- you anglicise it and say pistio. Well, forget it. It's pistevo, the Greek word, faith. You check it out in your dictionary. It's not a noun, it's a verb. I have faith. If you have faith, you'll be doing something. Faith is action, moving. James says, you think you've got faith? Show me your faith by what you're doing. And so if we're going to be forward moving, it means that we are people of faith. We, we trust Jesus and it's a forward moving faith that says, Lord, what's the next step? And so uh, we're really excited. It, it's like um, at Seton, <laughs> we've just created this. It's almost like we're planting churches in the Seton facility. So we had four services. Now they're four congregations. And of appointed congregation pastors, they've got their assistant pastors and their teams, they've got their first impressions person, they've got their small group person, they've got their musicians and a whole pile of new preachers and leaders. And uh, I as as the senior, I I just cruise the four of them. We have one preaching thing. And it's just been interesting that initially when I presented the idea, about two and a half years ago, I came back really excited from a trip and, and shared it with the team and it went over like a lead balloon. It was like, you know, fire hydrants, it was like, boom, and, and they're all looking at me going. And I'm thinking, do you get it? Nah. So I'm thinking, well, I'm really excited, but there was no excitement there. So I thought, well, what do you do as a leader? If I just say I'm going to do it, I'm just going for a long walk on my own if I don't have followers who are prepared to, to grab it. <laughs> so I thought, oh, that's great. I thought I heard from God. <laughs> they said no, they vetoed it. What does a leader do if it's vetoed? You can't force them. It's got to be ownership. It can't be compliance. It has to be ownership. So then I went to Bulawayo last year, wonderful movement there, and, um, and I saw it. 28 congregations in one facility. The most at seats is 750. They've got 8,000 people in 28 congregations, and they hired another place, and the, the facility seat one, and they've got a pastor, leader, and every one of them's got a choir. And the pastor said, Bill, he goes, it's just fantastic. It's exploding. They're all rising to it in faith. And I said, man, that's it. I'm coming back. I said, this is good. It just confirmed to me that I was right two years ago. I came back to the team and I shared. And they all go, yeah. Why didn't we think of that before? (laughs) I'm thinking, yeah, okay. They all grabbed it. I don't know what that is. That's just the human heart. So now I'm thinking, okay, the team is with me, let's do it. And we've seen the church jump from 850 to 950. We're heading towards 1,000 people. Amazing growth. So, so you see, we're an old church, 42 years old. We can stay, we're comfortable, lovely facility, but I'm, I'm a bomb thrower in Jesus' name. And your team want to put a thermonuclear device 
underneath you. And we're going to get into orbit. Seriously, we're comfortable. We've been around for a long time. The Lord wants to win hundreds of people into the kingdom through you. And he wants the church to be moving forward. And one of the decisions regarding David, he, he has felt, you know what, I just don't have the requisite skill base to actually do that. I know what I'm good at. And so it, it's, it's like, and I don't want him being disappointed. In fact, I'd like him to be on the journey and to be a preacher. But he says, you've got to get somebody who can actually do that, Bill. You know, it's like, I've, I've tried it. It's just, it's, I love the people. I love the church. It's just not working. And so seriously, a leader has got to move that forward and we don't apologise for that. David doesn't, I don't, we say. And then finally, outwardly focused, erratic. Oh man, you've got to be outwardly focused. So while we're doing that at, at Seton, we're planting down south. And I'm delighted with that because we're looking at south and we're looking at, at Ordinga, we're looking at also... So it's not just planting a new congregation... There's 40 kids and 40 adults already that are there and we're going to launch at the end of August. And I'm saying to Tim and Nick, I'm saying, guys, as you start that, as you do that, then that'll become a model to do East. Because we've been praying for the East. I've got people from Seton that travel from the hills down to, to Seton. They pass all these churches and they, they just love the Christian Family Centre. It's, it's their culture, their family. It's, you belong. It's not based on geography. And we've got people North. So I'm saying, guys... East and north once we go south. All I need is the right lead pastor. So I'm praying right now. Now what is that? Are we foolish? Are we silly? No, we're actually outwardly focused. This is the book of Acts. What did Jesus say in the Great Commission? He said to them, he says, stay in Jerusalem, receive power from on high, and you'll be my witnesses. Where? In Jerusalem. Then when you reach Jerusalem, Judea. Then when you reach Judea, Samaria, and then when you reach Samaria, the world. Is that correct? No, it's not correct. I've deceived you. The preposition then is not there. The preposition and is there. He says, and you will be my witnesses where? In Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. But you know what? They stayed put. They said, we love Jerusalem. Big church. 18,500 people within the first two sermons. You think about that. 3,000 and 5,000, just men. 8,000. If half of them are married, that's four, that's another 4,012. If each of them have three kids and no contraception in those days, three is very conservative, probably more like five or six. Hey, it's a church of 20,000. We love it, the big meeting, thousands of people. And they forgot about Judea, they forgot about Samaria. And Acts 8.1 was the fulfillment of Acts 1.8. Persecution comes, difficulty, pain, and all of a sudden, out they go and they start reaching into Samaria, Judea, Samaria and beyond. So the church has got to be outwardly focused. If we are not outwardly focused, we lose our purpose. Jesus says into all the nations, which is all the ethnic groups. Pastor Dave has been going to, to Myanmar. There are different ethnic groups. Some of those ethnic groups are in Australia. We've actually started a church with people who are Karen people, who have been persecuted for 50 years. It's now in Werribee or, or Wyndham Vale in Victoria. There's a couple of hundred Karen people who are part of a CRC church. So, and we're saying to the pastor, whoa, inroads to get into Burma. Karen, there's, there's a million or two of them in Burma. 
on the border with Thailand, refugees. Wow, so we're so already we're, we're strategizing that. Korean people here, there must be Korean people there. What about contacts? We'll raise money, we'll, we'll get people, we'll train them, we'll send them back. Let's have a revival among the Korean people. What is that? It's because we're outwardly focused. We, we, we are, we're thinking radically that the world has to be reached. I've been praying for Greece for years and years and years. Kath and I go there to see my family, beautiful family. We go to the island of Icaria, you know, the, the island where everyone lives for 150 years. And so I'm going to be around for a long time. And, uh, and I've witnessed to my family, but I've never been able to minister in Greece. So I'm trying to make contacts. I get a contact with this one guy. He comes to Adelaide. Oh, he was so difficult. Oh, difficult, difficult man. Anyway, so um, I must admit, I, I had this thought. I said, man... I don't want to work with Greeks, they're really difficult. <laughs> oh, what am I doing? You know, really difficult. They fight, they argue, no unity. So I, I let it go. And then I come back from Papua New Guinea last year, and Pastor Chris Kipitoglu, who's one of our past, lay pastors, businessmen, he says, Bill, I want you to meet somebody. I meet Pastor Jonathan Macris. I'd heard of his dad, famous missionary in, in Irian Jaya in the early 60s, like a Barry Silverback. And I met him, and Kath and I, when we left, said, that man we can work with. I can work with him instantly. Last year, I went twice to Greece. This year, I'm going. And get this, last year, I spoke to all the Pentecostal and evangelical leaders at a conference Jonathan's been able to get them together. I'm going there again in November. And the other thought is, because we're a church planting church, to bring in potential church planters who've done all their theological training but need a finishing off school. Come to Seton for 12 months. Our CRC College of Ministry will give them a scholarship for free training for 12 months. We train them up on church planting. Send them back to plant a church. Of course, it has to be Nicaria, my home island, but that'll be okay. I haven't told them that yet. But what is that? I'm praying and it seems like every door is shut. My parents' homeland. And I get to this guy and he's just, uh, not much integrity and he's a yeller and, you know, like abuser. And I thought, I can't work with him. He might be leading people to Christ, but he's just, can't work with him. But this other guy, beautiful man. And Kath and I have been there. So now I'm going there again in November and we're interviewing people. We did interview a couple they didn't quite work out, a young policeman who actually wanted and so to be a church planter, but we're making assessments on the right people. What is that? We're outwardly focused. That's why we do mission offerings once a month. That's why we send mission teams. 7% um, of your income, do you realise 7% of your income, when you put your tithes in today, 10% is marked out. All of our Christian families, we put in 3% into our CRC family, and then we put another 7% into what we call the Christian Family Centre Fund. You are actually supporting Ben Matson to function there to reach Indigenous people. Your money that you give today, you're radic. Some of that, we pay Ben two days a week because the local church has about 170 Aboriginal folks and about 30, 40 white fellows. And uh, it just can't sustain itself. And so Ben's doing cleaning in, in the bus, in the trains and, and the local church can pay him one day a week, but we pay him another two days and that's all of our churches together. Erratic. The church CFC South, we are planting that together. The salary for Tim comes from Seton because he's our deputy lead pastor. But the, all the churches, and I've, I've been saying to all of our lead pastors, we are doing this together. 
and we want to do it again and again. So you are, we've instituted radic policies in the life of the church. So pray and believe that Alice Springs is, is going to explode. They're looking at property. In fact, next February, we're looking at this fabulous property. It may become available. Amazing. And they've got very little money. <laughs> and I'm going, okay, how do we do that collectively as Christian family? How do we do this? Because if we got this property, I reckon we'd double the church to about 300 indigenous people and probably another 30, 40 white fellas. So the white fellas, you see, we, we want white fellas there who are going to roll up their sleeves and serve. You can't join that church just to sit on the seat. You've got to serve. And it's, it's, it's enormous. So we are outwardly focused. We are radic. This is who we are. What kind of church are we? Biblically grounded, Christ-centered, spirit-led, people-loving, forward-moving, and outwardly focused. And we won't compromise on that. And I say, I'm saying this to all of our churches. I'm saying, guys, if you want a statement of who we are and where we're heading, this is it. And uh, how that's outworked, every local church has its own culture, has its own geographical location. And one of the questions we've raised, that's been raised with me, saying the next lead pastor, we've got to make sure he or she understands the culture, understands the history, understands the flow. So somebody for Alice Springs may not be appropriate for here. Somebody for Hobart may, so, so we have to then, so every church has its own distinctive flavour and feel within this parameter, within our corporate vision, our corporate values. Each church has got to develop its own strategy and its leadership team have to reflect that within those guidelines and, and we are committed for that occurring. It's not my role to actually run this church. My role to make sure as the senior minister that everyone's in line. There's no funny business going on and that we're, we're, we're staying true and, and I can do that because anyone that's in a position of leadership and authority has got to be, I can be sacked by our board of elders. I can be sacked by the CRC national executive. If I'm going to exercise leadership and authority, I'm under authority. So I can quite easily tap that guy on the shoulder and say, it's time for you to move out because, because I'm not a bully. I'm not a dictator. I've got to give an account for how I treat people. I have a board, I have a team, and this is wonderful what we have within the Christian Family Centre. We have our leadership teams and we have our board of elders working together to make sure that everything's done decently and in order. And so the next appointment of your lead pastor will be done decently and in order and with full consultation. And uh, so we're delighted with that. Can you say amen to that? Amen. Can we stand together? I want to lead you in a prayer. I'm prepared to stay here having a cup of coffee as long as it's good coffee. For as long as is needed, I'm just teasing you guys, teasing you. And uh, to talk to anyone about the decision, Dave and uh, Judah here, Kathy and myself, and the leadership team, we're happy to be here to talk and share. And in fact, I'm planning, I'm hoping to help you, I've got to check this with our team of Seton, that I could come once a month through to the end of December just to come and minister the word and again just to sit, talk, to, to involve you. It's not just our leadership team. We want to involve you and get your best thoughts and, uh, you know, which is great. I've already had one phone call from a responsible man that rang me and said, have you considered this? And I said, fine, it's good. Don't mind that. 
But I'm happy to, to sit down and say, okay, because we love you, we respect you, and we really do want you to, because sometimes when there is a change of leadership, you know, people could get a little bit, okay, the future of the church. This church has got a fantastic future. I have invested an enormous amount. I'll just say, just my relationship with David Smythe that goes back, I mean, uh, I view him as a big brother and love him with all my heart and, and know his worth and value and I know what he and Narina have contributed here and they're not letting go. When we, we are committed to you and if you know of anyone that's a little bit flaky, you have my permission to look them in the eye and to say, you are needed, stay put, don't move. Don't know about your guitar playing, that might need a bit of improvement, but you, you needed to be here. Hey, we know, Rob, we, we led you to Christ, didn't we, when you were a little boy? No, no, you were, oh, okay, beforehand, all right. <laughs> Memories. Hey, if you know people, please talk with them. And if someone needs some TLC, let Sam, who's, who's obviously the, the, the staff person, and also Wayne, so that we could actually touch base with them. We want no one to leave. We want them to stay. We, in fact, we want the church to grow. We want new people to come to Christ. You might be new in the church. You might be just the last few months. You're going, what's going on? It's, it's okay. It's actually a good thing. It's been done in a godly way, and you're not on your own. And uh, we, we are here to help you and support you. And uh, so let me pray for you all. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for these beautiful people. I thank you, Lord, for the fabulous kids as Kath and I saw them. So many children. Oh, Lord, we pray double and triple the number of kids we pray in the future. With new facilities, may there be a revival among children and families. Father, I pray for every person here. Thank you for them that they're here, that they've faithfully turned up, that they've listened to my message, they've been aware of what's taken place. I pray, Lord, that you would reinforce truth to them and that your Holy Spirit will apply the message that I've shared about what kind of church we are to them personally, that they are part of this body, that they are part of Jesus' beautiful bride here at the hills. Help them to see that they're a beautiful bride, that we have a wonderful bridegroom in Jesus, that we are a, 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 an integrated body, that every part is needed. Bless them. Bless their families. May this church be reinforced and grow and be strengthened in the coming days. Give us wisdom for the days ahead. We look to you. And I pray, Lord, for any person here who hasn't given their life to Christ, that they will do that today. Anyone that has a need, that they would request prayer, that we can pray for them. Lord, administer your power of healing and be gracious to people. As your word says, Jesus is our high priest and we're to come to him with our requests in our time of need. For there is mercy and grace coming from the throne of heaven through Jesus Christ, not because of our perfection, but because of his perfection. We're imperfect, we're faithless, we struggle, but he is perfect, he is ever faithful. And we know that as we come to you, Father, through your son, Jesus, who's sitting at your own right hand, that there is mercy and grace and favour and forgiveness and salvation and healing and blessing for people. So help people to reach out to you even this, this morning as we're standing here. 
while we're standing in the Lord's presence. You have a need. The Lord is here. There's no one looking around. As, as you're talking to the Lord, just give me a signal that you have a need and, and you want to receive from Jesus. Just lift your hands like this in an act of receiving. I'd like to specifically pray with you. Just an act of receiving. Just say, Lord, I submit to you and I receive from you. Just your hands like this. You can look at me. You can just, just say, I, I, need, I need help. I need help. Father, touch these precious people right now. Heal, deliver, set free, save, minister to them. May they see that Jesus is ever close and that he responds to our heartfelt prayers, our wonderful mediator, high priest, advocate, intercessor, on our side, our big brother in heaven, who's on our side. Bless your people. I thank you for this opportunity to share in Jesus' name. Amen.